Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit. If you've got the page there, page 44, um, he sort of, uh, CJ Mahaney compares the culturally defined uh, pursuit of greatness compared to uh, the biblically defined pursuit of greatness. Um, and it really kind of convicted me. So I'm going to read it. The culturally defined pursuit of greatness looks like this. Individuals motivated by self-interest, self-indulgence, and a false sense of self-sufficiency pursue selfish ambition for the purpose of self-glorification. And uh, if that's not convicting enough, then I read, contrast that with the pursuit of true greatness as biblically defined. And he defines it as this, serving others for the glory of God. And in that definition, serving others for the glory of God, as I read that, I was like, where's me in that? Where's me? You know, I spend so much time uh, thinking about myself Think about my, you know, my challenges and my life and whatnot. But where is me in this definition of true greatness, of humility? Um, it's all about others and it's all about glorifying God. And I think that has really sort of convicted me uh, as I've considered all the different things that I guess I apply myself to is like, what is my attitude to these things? Do I seek to serve others and bring glory to God? Or am I seeking the culturally defined pursuit of greatness, that self-sufficiency, that self-glorification? selfish ambition and stuff so that's definitely one thing there's loads more that i've definitely been encouraged by it's such a challenging topic like um we were chatting about it a bit before you guys joined our um, zoom chat and um i feel like humility is a topic that's so easy to talk about like as ideas you know like um yeah it's great let's be humble but the practice of it um in real life is is very very difficult you know like what do you do when someone criticizes you, you know, or critiques your performance in something, you know, that's where humility hits real life. You know, what do you do when someone asks you to do something that is not your preference to do because you're tired and you don't want to help. And, and um, that's where humility, you know, comes to the fore. What do you do when, when someone slanders you or when you don't even get credit for something you've worked really, really hard in, you know, um, it's this kind of other person-centered, God-centered self-forgetfulness. And um, I think it's so, so convicting, mm. you know, so challenging. So um, I guess that kind of leads me on to the second question I thought would be great for us to talk about, um, Simon, tonight is, is well, if, if humility, biblically defined, I, th- I believe CJ, he uses the term that it's, uh, it's having honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Mm. Yeah, so it's, mm. it's having this right perspective of ourselves, um, you know, in light of who God is and in light of who we tr- truly are. It's almost like seeing ourselves rightly, if mm. that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I guess more than just seeing it, like in, in imbibing that, like, you know, centering our lives in, with the right perspective. Um, whereas pride, uh, I think he says something like this, is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon him. You know, so I, he uses this kind of term, uh, almost like competing with God or, mm. or something along those lines. Yeah. I guess I want to ask, like, why is this a big deal? Like, are we making a mountain out of molehill sort of thing? Like, and what's really at the heart of, of pride, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah, look, I think, um, I mean, not everyone listened to the Sovereign Grace Warunga, um sermon today. I know there's some para, para guys there as well, but we were just 
um, looking at Colossians and looking at just the the amazing grace that um, that God has bestowed on us in sending His Son. Um, and I think you know as we as we think about um, humility and pride, pride is sort of trying to take the glory for ourselves and trying to show that like we are self-sufficient, we can get, we can walk through life, we can we can sort out our issues and we can make plans and we can prosper and whatnot off our own strength. Uh, and humility is the recognition that we can't, we can't even save ourselves. Uh, we can't even, like, we, we needed a saviour to come and rescue us because we were destined for destruction, you know, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, so pride is actually glorifying ourselves when, we, when in reality we cannot. Um, and, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's something that, we can often be a bit blind to. Um, we can often be, um, even as Christians, you know, we, we, we're deeply, you know, um, seeking to trust the Lord and, and, and follow after him and trust, uh, trust him in our salvation. And yet uh, on a day-to-day, on the everyday sort of thing, we can, we can so easily shift that sort of lose sight of the, the grace that we have received um, and start to sort of, you know, Try and try and work out, you know, how, how do we live our lives? How do we sort of go about uh, our decisions um, off our own off our own strength? Mm. Probably like takes us like like just listening to you, Simon. It probably takes us almost like right back to the garden, doesn't it? You know, like when you think about it, like if you think back to the garden and the the temptation that the devil you know sent to Adam and Eve, it's like. You know, if you remember what he said, you know, God's holding out on you. Basically, if you eat of this fruit, what is it? You'll be like God, mm. knowing good from evil. And so there's almost like a discontentment mm. at the root of it. There's almost this this desire to, to be something more, mm. to be greater than what we actually are. Like this, 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 this self-centeredness to want something even greater for ourselves. Mm. Um, but I found it so convicting in that book, like just the seriousness of pride, you know, what he's yeah. talking about, like how it's like, you wouldn't naturally talk about yourself as someone who's like competing. Um, what does he say? It's, it's something like you're competing with God or you're, a pride is when simple human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon him. So competing for the glory of God, you know, that's what pride is. Yeah. It's, hard. it's wanting what belongs to God for myself. Mm. You know, which, and if you think about it, so competing for the glory of God. If you have a small, uh, you know, small picture of who God is, like that's. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what pride is. But when you enlarge your your vision of who God is, when you study Scripture, and if you read the book, he gives you so many good practical ways to sort of give you a bigger picture of who God is. Then you start to just feel so embarrassed that you're, you know, measly attempt to try and take the glory for yourself because you start to see the glory of God and again we got to sing about that uh, this morning in church it was just like you know I, I found it just so encouraging just to to sing of God's glory um, and and remember that you know it's not uh, you know I'm not seeking my glory here we're seeking to glorify um, the creator God um, so yeah, awesome. just on that um, Brendan I'll just add um, one thing that really hit me was that it's it's not that god is kind of passive when you're trying to take his glory either he's actually opposed to that um and on page 33 he quotes john calvin and he says um 
It's so intolerable to God, the sacrilegious arrogance of those who praise themselves and obscure his glory. Mm. And I thought I was just really cut by that. I was like, oh my goodness, like when you're trying to glorify yourself, you obscure like wow. God's glory. So. Wow, that's so good. I mean, so when you when you read that, it humbles you straight away. Like, I think, yeah, you just get humbled by that. How, yeah. So if, if you've got a big picture of God, like the maker of the universe, when we're proud, he opposes you. And I mean, that's one of the, the verses that, um, you know, the book comes back to a lot of times, but is, you know, um, a wonderful verse. First Peter 5, um, he says this, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. To think, to think about that, that when we're proud and we're contending with God for his glory, he actively opposes us and stands against us. You know, I think it's, it's massive, isn't it? Mm. Well, let's shift gears a little bit because the next question I want to ask you, you know, just kind of following on that thread. Okay, people listening in, you know, might be hearing this and saying, okay, yep, got it. Pride's a big deal. It's a bad thing. How would you know if, you know, that there's a real battle in your heart personally with pride? Like what are some of the, you know, fruits of pride that you might see, you know, in a person's life? Mm. Well, I've got a great example this week. Um, and I think that's partly why, like, it's just the Lord's, he just works so powerfully. Uh, in, in, <laughs> anyway, so this week we had a... Ready for a display, everyone. <laughs> this week we had a pastoral team meeting. And usually I don't get to go to them because I'm uh, working, but because I'm on school holidays at the moment, I was able to um, join the, the pastoral team meeting. And um, Dave uh, set some homework for us. We had to read a book. Um, look at Brendo, he doesn't even know what I'm about to say, but he can already tell. Um, yeah, we had to read a book. And, um, and so then we got to the pastoral team meeting and uh, I clicked onto the Zoom, joined in and stuff. And they're like, hey, Simon, what, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of the book? What did you learn from it? And I was like, well, I haven't actually read the book. Um, and they're like, oh, why did you not read the book? And I was like, oh, I didn't have it in my house. And, you know, I just made all these different excuses. I think I even threw Shell's name under the bus. Like I was like, I think Shell might have got rid of it or given it to a friend. <laughs> you know, just yeah, like, we, we said, Shell's given up on trying to get him to read this book. It was about marriage and romance and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it gets like so that was pretty embarrassing. Um, and I and then I had to really check my heart. Like this is post meeting. I had to really go, okay, why why didn't I read that book? Like what was going on in my heart that made that made me not go and read the book that my pastoral team had set for us. Um, and and there's a few different reasons, but one that really stuck out to me was I was like, honestly, I was like, I've read it before. You know, I've read it before. Like, I don't need to read it again. And that just like, I was so convicted. Like, what is that? Like that sort of speaks of this, like, I've got it all sorted. Like I, I know, I know how to like, you know, romance my wife or whatever. Like I got that sorted. You know, there's just such pride in that line of thinking and i had to really uh repent of that um i haven't actually texted the guys but i, I had to repent of it um to god and, and recognize that my heart was you know um yeah i was just uh, trusting in my own ability not 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 open to learning not open to growing 
I'm not seeing how the Lord might meet me in, in reading it. And then the irony is, is that then Brendo asked me to read this book and I said, this is the fourth time I've read it and it's this time that it spoke to me the most. So I think, you know, it's a beautiful story there just this week of just being humbled. Um, and, uh, and I'm so glad that I, I read this book the fourth time because it really has convicted me of so many things. Um, so that's one thing, like in answer to your question, um, I don't know if Shell or Brenda, you had an example. I'd love to hear you guys and how your pride. Um, well, I might jump in first. Um, I think fear of man is a, a big struggle in my life. And the way that fits in with pride, I think is, and or even what's behind it is that I care a lot about my reputation. Mm. And so when someone says something that seems to be um, critical of my reputation, then I can just, I just get really hung up on it. And it really, really bothers me a lot. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I care about my reputation and I care most of all, not about what people think about God, but what they think about me. Mm. So an example I was just sharing with Simon was, you know, um, a few months ago when a provider that I work with in my business questioned my pricing and said they felt it was too dear, too expensive. And just that little comment just really threw me. And I, I remember um, even being awake at night, like thinking about it, and I just felt really unsettled about it. And I realized that actually it's because I'm so bothered that this person thinks that I'm a generous person, that I'm not, you know, ripping people off or something like that, that, that this little comment just really, um, really bothered me so much because it was almost like my image had been threatened by this. And I think that's one example. I was reading a, um, an article called The Crossing Criticism by a guy called Alfred or something like that. I can't even say his name properly. But he talks about how just like a lack of openness um, to correction in particular or critique is a sign of pride. Um, and he has like all these questions to sort of ask himself. And I was just like, oh man, this is like a list of things that I, I find really, really difficult. How do I typically react to correction? Uh, do I pout when criticized or corrected? Uh, what's my first response when someone says I'm wrong? Do I tend to attack the person? to reject the content of criticism. We're going to come back and talk a bit more about this kind of later on, but I think a sensitivity to criticism can be a real example to pride. Not wanting to even ask for people's opinions about yourself because just the thought of a criticism just kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies and you feel really nervous and, and fearful of that. Or you just have the attitude that I had of like, I've got nothing to learn from that person. Yeah, like exactly. I, you know, you know, I've got nothing to learn I'm from that. I'm the genius. I'm the... I'm, I'm blonde burgundy. I mean, yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm a pretty big deal. Isn't that exactly. what he says? That's exa exactly. I mean, exactly. Shell, did you want to jump in and answer, uh, add anything to, to that? Yeah, yeah tell yeah. us how you're proud, Shell. Um, oh, I think I was just thinking, I think pride is just throughout my life. So it's hard to find one example. But I think for me, I always, like, whenever I'm angry or agitated or frustrated or, um, you know, there's division or um, I'm, I'm sort of judging someone's motives that I'm not aware of. I always find myself having to stop and, and say, you know, what is that fruit and where is that from? And it's usually always from pride. It's, it's either pride that's manifesting in me feeling um, insecure or pride that's more about me feeling like right and, and thinking the other person's wrong and, um, yeah, so for me, I think I, I'm aware of my struggle with pride in those fruits, like when I start feeling like that. 
thing. Yeah. yeah, totally. That was on the list that Brenna's like absolute confidence in your own assessment of people or situations. Yep. And so then you get angry because you're like, oh, like that's clearly like, you know, that's, you know, because it's like I'm so confident in my assessment. And it can work both ways. It can work both in your assessment of others, but also your self assessment. Like one of the things that in the past I've struggled with is receiving compliments because I hear someone give me a compliment and I say, eh, you say that, but actually my assessment on myself is that I didn't do that good a job of that. And so, you know, thank you, but no thanks sort of thing. You won't even receive it rather than going, do you know what? Um, maybe you're seeing something I don't. And it, maybe that's a picture of God working in my life. So if that encouraged you, you saw that, praise God for that, you know, but rather in the past has been kind of this, this, no, 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 like your refusal to accept it because my assessment is right and yours is wrong because, you know, I know what's going on and you don't. And, you know. But even in what you've just described then, when you're caught in that line of thinking, you're only thinking about yourself. Exactly, exactly. You're only thinking yeah. about yourself and exactly. that's that robbing God of the glory. But if you, if you receive the, you know, the compliment and you say, praise, praise God, like there's that sort of, that's that, you know, biblically defined true greatness is like serving others and giving the glory to God. Uh, another one that I struggle with, like um, that I think is a classic picture of like, if, if you're wondering whether or not pride is something you struggle with is um, are you a, someone who's dependent um, in terms of that you walk with a prayerful uh, attitude that spends time in God's word, um, reading the Bible and praying. Um, I think that's like one of the, the greatest signs of whether you're pride. Like if, if, if pride is at its heart competing for the glory of God and this like this belief that you can function independently of God, um, then surely the greatest example of pride that we can have in our lives is a refusal to spend time listening to him in his word and or praying to him. Um, you know, so often one of my great struggles in life is wanting to be more prayerful, you know, and um, not having an instinct that just is doing stuff, you know, but wanting to really be a person that, that spends time with God and in his word and listens to him and says, you know, God, like, t teach me, you know, I need to hear from you today. I can't function today without your grace, without your help. But that's often not how I start my day. I start my day going, okay, what do I need to do today? You know, what are the things that I need to get done? And, and I think that's, that's a picture of, of, of pride as well. Um, uh, you know, we're talking about a few things, just some other ideas that I had on the list. Um, um, having a kind of consumeristic spirit where it's kind of like you're always thinking about what's in it for me sort of thing. And I guess a self-preoccupation, you're always thinking about you and what you want. I mean, maybe even in a church context, you know, you're thinking about, you know, how many you know, how's this church serving other programs and ministries, the sort of thing I like? How many people are sort of in my age and stage that are like me? You know, how well is this serving me? Um, how well is the situation fitting me and my preferences? And my, I think that's an example, again, of that kind of self. Well, if you compare those two definitions we talked about at the start, which one aligns with that sort of thinking? Clearly, they're culturally defined through, like, you know, that idea of self-glorification, self, you know, this is about me. Yeah, Biblically defined, you you're not included. You don't you don't feature in the definition. Exactly. Yeah. It's not to say that those different things don't have any place to play, but I think it's when they become the focus. Yeah. You know. Um, um, even like, funnily enough, like even low self-esteem. You know, um, and we might touch touch on this a little bit later on, um, can be a real sign of pride as well. 
again, because it's this self preoccupation. Like, so if you have a view of yourself that's low, um, that's one thing, but why does having a low view of yourself bother you so much? Why does that devastate you and break you? You know, why does that, that make you question whether your life is valuable and worth living? Mm. It's because you believe you shouldn't be like that. You believe you should be someone of significance. Mm. You should be someone of worth and value. And, and because your perception is that you're not, that devastates you. Mm. Um, so it's almost, it can be a pride issue from the reverse angle, really. Mm. You know. Um, all right, well, that's all well and good, but it's kind of a depressing list of things we've been talking about, right, tonight, guys? You know, like you listen to all these different things and they're like, probably like me, like, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. So I'm a proud guy. Okay, right. Um, you know, so I know I'm struggling with pride. Um, and we've talked about some ways in which, it, you know, personally we've been struggling with it. What, I mean, what should we do then to grow in this, I guess is the big question. Like, so they're the big list of ways it can manifest in our lives and ways we might be struggling with it. You know, how do, how do we go about changing them? Yeah, I think um, one thing that I've been, and I, you meant you touched on like a heart of prayer, like um, seeking the Lord uh, without a doubt definitely uh, enhances your, your vision of who he is. And um, But we, uh, Brenda's already read from 1 Peter 5, but um, just from the back of that, so it, it says from 1 Peter 5, um, this is good. verse 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm, and uh, that has really spoken to me this week. Um, and oh, I, if you read, I 100% encourage you to read the book. But if, as I read it, I saw in, in the author CJ, like I saw here, someone, he's someone that obviously has worries and concerns and cares. And he speaks about that idea of casting our cares, casting our worries in a prayerful heart towards our God. Um, and so I, I sort of um, often find that I, I get caught in my thoughts. I get caught in my, my like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the most helpful things someone said to me was, if you're thinking about something, you're meditating on it. And so what, I, what that means is that, like, if I'm thinking about myself and my issues and my worries and my concerns, I'm meditating on myself. And so what I've found is that shift that, I'm going to cast my eyes on, or fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to cast my worries on him and I'm going to meditate on him. And I've found that that has actually served so well in helping me shift my gaze from myself and my gaze to God. So in a prayerful, in, in, in my prayer life, seeking a shift from that sort of uh, thinking about my worries and my concerns and giving them over to the Lord and then fixing my eyes on him. It's been so helpful for me. So that's been one practical thing. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I was actually reading something just on that last night. Shara and I are doing this little um, devotional together by Ed Welch on anxiety. And um, it's this little green book. I forget what the title of it is. Um, but just what he was talking about last night was just that. And he was talking about how it sounds so simple um, and yet it's not obvious it's what we often don't do to, to just pause and pray and mm. to give it to God. And he was saying that over the last 30 years, um, one of the things that's changed in his life is that he's shortened the time between when he feels the onset of anxiety and when he actually moves to pray. Oh, here's the book. Yeah. What is it? Say it. 
Reflections for an Anxious Heart. It's awesome little 50 day short snippet devotionals. Um, wonderful little book. Ed Walsh, there you go. Small book for the anxious heart. Meditations on fear, worry, and trust. Yeah, so good. So in 30 years, he, Paul, uh, Ed, I can't want to say Paul Tripp, Ed Welch um, says that he's, he's shortened the distance between the onset of anxiety and, and prayer. And he, he was saying how it's gone for him from being even a couple of days to usually an hour from when he's feeling anxious to when he'll actually stop and humble himself yeah. and give it over to God mm. and entrust it to God. And he said it only seems trite um, and a, you know an obvious, even patronizing thing to do that doesn't make sense if you've never done it before. Mm. He's saying that anyone who's really wrestled with anxiety knows that actually that process of praying is something that, that really helps you, you know, that surrendering it to God and giving it over to him. Mm. Um, yeah. Rather than thinking that you can solve it. Because I think that's the false belief that that's I often have. It's like, thinking if it I just think it through a little bit more, I will solve the problem with my amazing brain. You know? And that's that, you know, that's that high view of yourself. You yeah, know? it's super high view of yourself. It's like, I will be able to sort this out. With all this thought I'm putting into it, I'm going to be able to sort this out. Yeah. Um, mm. I think, um, yeah, that piece of praying, you know, dwelling on the scriptures. I think if, you, if you're someone, maybe you're, you're listening in and you're not actually currently in a practice of really spending time with God and listening to him. Um, the, the question I would, would have is, um, what does that say about what you believe about whose voice matters most in your life? You know, um, and I just think, is such a beautiful opportunity with God's word to, to, to live and grow and, and, and learn from him. One thing that I found really challenging um, recently, both in the book that we read that Simon didn't read. Um, <laughs> I'd read it before a few times. And on this topic of humility is um, one way uh, that I found really helpful of helping me grow is actually to ask people for, for, to, for, feedback you know to ask them for their opinions about you personally um takes a lot of bottle takes a lot of courage but it only takes a lot of courage because um we're so proud mm. you know one of the things that's one of the truths of the gospel is that ultimately um and i and i think i was chatting to someone earlier about this today um that we can take criticism because of jesus you know God's verdict on us is finalized. We're worse than we thought because we put Jesus on the cross. You know, our sin, our personal sin made Jesus go to the cross. It made him bleed and die for us. You know, if you really believe that, that's devastating to think that you put Jesus on the cross. You caused the death of the Son of God. You know? And yet if God has forgiven us of that, what could someone possibly say to us, you know, in a criticism that would change God's final verdict on us. We can receive any criticism, you know, um, because we're worse than we thought and yet more loved than we thought, you know, all at the same time. Um, and yet it's so hard for, for me personally to invite that criticism from people, to invite that critique. And so even, you know, for Shah and I, you know, plucking up the courage to go, hey, Shah, you know, if, there's, if you wouldn't get mad, you know, what's one thing, you know, um, you might like to... 
you know, change about me. Um, she was very kind when I asked her the other day. So <laughs> she said nothing. Yeah, she said full grades, man. Like, you know. <laughs> no, I got this thing where um, I'd rather be reading my news story than listening to what she's saying. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't mean it to be like that, but you know, that's what that's what happens. So I, I, I go, yeah, 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 and I haven't actually listened to um, what's being said. So. And I, I just wonder, because I just had a convo with someone earlier this week that offered some helpful um, feedback that was difficult and hard to stomach at the time. Uh, and I wanted to give reasons why that, you know, they were giving like, oh yeah, but this and this and this and this. Um, you have to bite the tongue and then you have to go away and think it through. And, and you know, I sort of felt like I was going away, licking my wounds, so to speak, and going, oh, you know, well, you know I feel sorry for myself. But then it was actually, I'm so grateful that they offered that, um, that feedback to me because um, it, it, I guess it, it helped reveal things in my heart, uh, things that I, you know, really needed to kind of consider and, and weigh up and grow in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What about Shell? Or should we get some? Yeah. I was just going to, uh, before you jump in there, Shell, I was just going to read some more of the questions off this list. Um, so this is from an, that article about crossing criticism. It says, Uh, How well do I take advice? How well do I seek it? Are people able to approach me to correct me? Am I teachable? Do I harbor anger against the person who criticizes me? Do I immediately seek to defend myself, hauling out my righteous acts and personal opinions in order to defend myself and display my righteousness? Can my spouse, parents, children, brothers, sisters, or friends correct me? I just read through that list and I think to myself, wow, you know, I, I know what I'd like to hope I could say to that, you know, but um, it's so challenging, isn't that, that topic of criticism? Sorry, Shell, over to you. Uh, I think um, dealing with my pride, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think prayer has been huge for me, um, just sort of um, taking the time out to actually go and pray to God and listen to him because often... Um, And that requires sort of stillness and solitude and just being quiet um, and listening to what he has or what he puts on my heart. That's been really great because it it, it really reveals to me his heart for me, which I can't see in the midst of my emotions and my flesh. Um, But I think another one um, that's been great for me is just trying to have a gift mindset. So um, during the day, just seeing... um, things through the lens of like everything's a gift you know like um obviously it's a gift to be in a relationship with god and that he would um call me his daughter but then every like little things are a gift you know um just living in our country and things like that and i think um one scripture i often go back to in when i'm feeling proud which is um often is 1 corinthians 4 7 um, where Paul is quite stern and it's quite, it, it's kind of like, I find it a bit of a rebuke from God that I always need to read. And it says, um, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? Wow. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Wow. And I often read that to myself <laughs> just to humble myself um, at times. So yeah, I think God's scripture and just reminding myself everything's a gift. Like it's all his. 
What was that again? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Yeah. Write that on a post-it note, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you did not receive. If then you received it, why did you boast as if you did not receive it? Wow. Isn't that the truth, though? Don't we go around like, you know, yeah, you know, God's sovereign, all that sort of stuff, but secretly, you know, I have all this stuff because I'm pretty awesome, you know. I'm a hard worker. I did all these different things, and, you know. Wow, that's so true, isn't it? Uh, and maybe like you're talking about that attitude of having a gift attitude. I think that's so good, Shell, because I reckon one of the signs of pride that, you know, um, that, that, you know, can be present. And I think it, it's almost embedded in our Aussie culture in a way. And that's grumbling. Um, you know, we talk about whinging palms, right? But we're actually just as bad. We, I think we grumble, we complain, we, you know, we think the worst of what people are doing and we can kind of just be complaining about things all the time. Why do we complain? You know, we complain because we believe we're entitled to a different scenario, right? We're entitled to something more. We should have something better rather than that kind of gift mindset that says, God's been so good to me. Even in the hard things, God is good and he's working for my good and having that, that thankfulness, that attitude of gratitude, you know, so to speak. So, and that, that actually takes discipline. Like if you're in a, a bit of a bad state and having in a trial, it takes discipline to stop and go, you know what, I'm grateful for the sunshine and the fresh air and that I have a car that's getting me from A to B and that I'm able to go to a university when many people in the world are not able to do that. Like it actually takes, and, and when, you, when I find for me personally, when I list off these things, it's really difficult to complain after you've really cast through your mind, all the things that you've been given. It's difficult to complain after you do that. Yeah. Straight out of the book, point, point three, begin your day expressing gratefulness to God. So just listing off, God, you are good. This is the, this is, this is the, the generosity that you have shown yeah. um, throughout today and yesterday and this week in my life. Like um, it puts, you know, again, it just shifts your mindset about thinking about you, you know, your thoughts and start to think about God, your creator God. Just, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Such a good point. And I think on the, on similar lines to that, um, something that, you know, CJ talks about a lot and it's a real, um, I think it, it's, it's about having a, a biblical perspective on things. And that is looking for evidence of grace, mm. looking for where God is working you know, in someone's life um, and constantly looking for opportunities to point that out, to be an encourager of others, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is something more than just looking for where someone's skilled at something or where someone's doing a wonderful job. It's looking for where God is at work yeah. um, and pointing that out um, and, and um, which changes the lens and the way you look at everything, you know. I think so often, maybe sometimes, particularly in our dealings with other Christians, we can be almost, yeah, we know they're a Christian and therefore God's at work in them and living them. But if you ask us, well, what's the evidence of that? Where do you see God working in their life? We'll be like, oh, I'm not too sure about that. I can tell you all the ways he's not working, <laughs> all the ways I want him to be working, you know, all the while blind to what, what their perception of you probably is. Yes. Um, but, but I think, you know, cultivating humility is to say, no, I can. I believe God is is working in your life because it's a promise of Scripture, and I'm mindful of every every evidence of it that I see. Um, I think one of the other things that we haven't talked a lot about tonight, we sort of alluded it, to it, is is, uh, and we talked about it this morning at church. You know, it's just how at the cross, 
yeah. you know, and meditating at the, on the cross, you know, yeah. and, and never growing overly familiar with the cross, but frequently coming back to what Christ did for us. And, you know, and, and that is one of the things that, you know, ought profoundly humble us. I got a quote that I wrote down um, out of the book um, by John Stott. Um, and he says this, he says, every time we look at the cross, um, Christ seems to be saying to us, I am here because of you. Uh, it is your sin I am bearing, your curse I am suffering, your debt I am paying, your death I am dying. Nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. All of us have inflated views of ourselves, especially in self-righteousness, until we have visited a place called Calvary. It is there at the foot of the cross that we shrink to our true size. I think that's true. I think, you know, a way we can cultivate and grow in humility definitely is to be people, a people that are just constantly camped out at the cross, you know, remembering and giving thanks to God for all Christ, you know, did for us there and, and, mm -hmm. and, um, and never sort of getting overly familiar with that. Um, well, I thought, you know, given the time, um, we might change tact a little bit and kind of drop down into briefly um, some of the ways in which um, this kind of topic kind of drops into kind of our, our real life, our everyday real life. And the particular one I wanted to ask you about, Simon and Michelle as well, is why is humility so important for us in terms of our personal growth in, in character, in, in godliness? You know, why is this such an important um, aspect of, of, of that for us as Christians? Um, I think that's probably what I've been convicted of this week. You know, I've got a pastoral team setting a book for me to read. I'm the pastoral intern. I'm supposed to be just watching and learning as much as I can, soaking up as much as I can. And I didn't, didn't read the book. You know, what, what am I missing here? And the point is, is like, I thought, I, I, yeah, I've read it. I know, I don't need to. And so I guess in answer to your question, like humility is so important if we are going to seek to grow more in our love for Christ, more in our um, pursuit of him. Um, if we're not open to correction, if we're not open to uh, seeing areas in life where we could grow in, if we're not open to being discipled by someone else and going, wow, you love Jesus, let me learn from you. Can you show? Like, if we're not open to those things, like, we're missing out. Um, and, and I think pride is, pride is going to fester uh, as a result of that. So mm. I don't know if that answers the question. but No, I, I, I think it's, it's right on the money. I mean, um, I, I'm mindful in my personal life. You know, if someone said to me, you know, question, Brennan, you know, what are you trying to grow on? I might have an, an idea of one thing, but overall, like, personally, I'm the type of person that will be like struggling to think of things. And it's not because there's nothing there to grow in. Like you guys can tell even from this chat that there's things <laughs> I need. I just can't see them. You need to grow yeah. in a mustache. I need mate. to grow in being a little bit, the silver burgundy that call me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there's things I need to grow in, but I just can't see them, you know? And I think one of the things God gives us is community of people that perhaps can see um, our stuff a bit easier yeah and am i willing to humble myself to to invite others in to, to help me to grow um i think we we know you know i think most of us know there's things we need to grow in i don't think you need someone to can, can convince you of that i think the question is 
um, well, the real reason is I think we're afraid. Mm. We're afraid of what people might say, you know, and whether we can, we can handle it, um, the, the, the truth. Because the truth is, apart from you asking someone to help you, you know, a close friend who really knows you, to disciple you, to, to give you their input and stuff, it's actually really hard to, um, mm. to just offer, I mean, to, to just kind of step in there and, and go, hey, Simon, you know, mm. I want to help you out, bro. I don't know if you're aware of mm. this thing going on in your life. It's your lip that's kind of got to grow <laughs> above it, bro. I don't know if you can see. Um, but you know, you get, you get, <laughs> you get my so, point, you know, it's, it, yeah, I, I was going to add, I was just going to add to that, but, um, okay. This is just, this is, I'm thinking about it. Like why, why, why do we pursue uh, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We are missing out on grace if we do not pursue humility and that we don't want to miss out on God's grace. And so that's definitely been my experience this week is like, as I've had to humble myself, I have experienced God's grace and it's been way better. You know, way, it sort of lifts you out of that, um, I guess, the festering pride that, you know, manifests itself in different ways in your life. And so that is definitely, but that's a fruit of it. We get, we experience God's grace when we humble ourselves. Yeah, totally, totally. I think, I think we're actually, we're just deceived, you know, because the, the, the truth is, you know, that what God says about us is right. We, we don't have anything in and of ourselves to boast about. Mm. We're just living in a lie if we want to carry on, like, without knowing the truth about ourselves. You know, like, it's like, you know, if I just stick my fingers in my ears, you know, then it's going to get all better sort of thing. Um, we don't have anything to be afraid of because God's got his final verdict of us, you know, so we can let people in. Mm. Um, but unless we're willing to do that, you know, um, unless we're willing to humble ourselves, and to admit that maybe we don't see ourselves with 2020 vision, um, we're going to be missing, you know, a beautiful grace that I think God has for us. Mm. You know? um, look, I've got a few other things, you know, written on the list that, you know, I'm more than happy to talk about and we can keep chatting about. But I think, you know, the time's quarter to nine. Why don't we open it up to any questions about um, things that you guys might like to ask about or, you know, talk about? Uh, we're happy to talk about anything, whether it be more about like self-esteem and identity or conflict resolution or you name it. So over to you guys. I'll embrace the awkward Zoom pause. Let's get into the pragmatics, the grassroots stuff, guys, like you know, the everyday stuff. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, you can, do, do people know how to put their hand up in terms of the, and then Paul can... Like this? <laughs> no, no, as in the, the actual thingy. There's, uh, There's only clapping thumbs up. But... Oh, yeah, put your thumb, do a thumbs up if you want to speak something and then Paul will unmute you. Oh, Matty Lick, is that a thumbs up? Oh, Nikki, go. I think you met me. We both do, but yeah. I was just thinking about how um, you can be at times falsely accused and you know, there is still pride you can address there, but how do you deal with that confrontation with the person, I guess, if they're like, yeah. Right, so so what does humility look like in the instance of false accusation against you? That's, that's the question. Does humility mean you just roll over and, you know, um, you just embrace it? Um, go along with it and, um, and um, don't do anything about it. 
Um, Simon, do you want to kick us off there, bro, with some thoughts? Oh, well, I was hoping you would just answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, That's why you be the MC, you see? <laughs> you get to throw all the hard questions to, to um, other people. Yeah, look, I think, well, I was talking to Brenda, like, I think probably in Brendo's situation, like, you could argue that uh, he was falsely accused for having higher rates than he should. Um, because he'd, he'd done the work, he'd thought it through, and he's like, no, this is what I think I should charge people for my uh, service. Um, and so, but this person came and accused him of, of charging too much. And we we're talking about it as like, okay, in that moment, Brendo has a responsibility to check his heart. So, um, like, and, and he, could, he could have gone and changed the rates purely because he had, out of fear of man, of like, oh, this person clearly thinks it, so I need to just change the rates. And that would have been for the wrong reason. So, you know, you might receive an accusation where you actually perceive it to be false, but you're still probably going to need to check your heart in that. You're going to still need to go, all right, um, is this true what this person is saying? Maybe I need to go and seek some counsel from someone else and, and, and seek their, their wisdom on it as well. Hey, look, someone else has mentioned this about me. Uh, what do you think? Like, do you, do you see that in my life? Do you see that as an issue? Um, and if it is, you know, if it's, if it's two people saying it, then probably it is probably something um that's worth addressing um yeah yeah no absolutely i think um because like if you're falsely accused of something you know it's it's not honoring to god to to lie and and you know admit to doing something that you didn't do you know that's not glorifying to god no, no. to to conceal the truth yeah so um but i think what what this does mean humility does mean it means that because uh, my obsession, my focus is the glory of Jesus and not my own glory, that the, the instance of a bad reputation ought not bother me, you know? Um, it might bother me from the perspective of, um, you know, that um, I want God to be glorified, you know, um, and people are, are slandering me and it's an injustice that's occurring. It might bother me from that perspective, but it's not going to shatter me because... Ultimately, my gaze is for the, 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 the great judge of all things who sees me with 2020 vision, you know, and sees all things and will call all people to account. So it, it ought not shatter me because I, I can even say, you know what, that's a false accusation. But even if it was true, it wouldn't be the worst about me because the worst about me is that Christ went to the cross because of me and God has forgiven me of that. So how much more is my, my vision, you know, is am I right in his eyes? So. So yeah, I, I think um, I think honouring God in the midst of a false accusation with humility doesn't look like um, just rolling over and, and admitting things that you didn't do, or, but, or ignoring it, or ignoring it. Yeah, uh, in, in fact, God cares about justice, and upholding just causes is something that greatly honours God. But it can be done with you know humility and gentleness and. And, um, and at the same time, also as a Christian, you know, if I'm humble and living, you know, in a way that honors God, I can also live with a, a, a sullied reputation, you know, because my heart is for the glory of Jesus. Mm. I think um, one thing that people have said in the past is they've pointed to, you know, the teaching of Jesus and turning the other cheek or something like that and thinking that that means that God, you know, wants you just to take it and that Christians should never have, you know, be vocal on this sort of thing um but turning out of the cheek in a middle eastern culture is actually about pursuing friendship with people because turning the cheek is to to offer yourself for a kiss the kiss of a friendship and so what jesus is talking about there is pursuing people relationally 
he's talking about you just when someone sins against you you don't just have nothing to do with them you keep offering extending that 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 friendship and, and moving towards them in love um so so yeah i think all that's a bit of a roundabout way to saying and i'm not sure if i answered your your question fully or not mickey but well i would just i would say and i don't know if shell had any thoughts here as well but i would say that because we're talking about pride your first instinct pretty much always is going to be i'm being wrongly accused right you know so like even that conversation i had earlier this week um i was like no nah, they got it wrong and then i had to go away and check my heart and i was like actually no there's there's truth in it so even if you think you're being wrongly accused, I think that you just check your heart and go, all right, is there pride that's not wanting to hear this? Um, you know, like, I think it's right to get angry. I just remember um, Tim Keller talking about injustice and like just how this all connects to, to our personal pride because the truth is we get angry about things that, you know, matter to us, about idols that we have in things. And Tim Keller says, he says, you know, it's, it's to some extent not wrong to be angry at some injustice against you when someone slanders you or says the wrong thing about you. There's a degree of anger there that's, that's right, you know, in that it's a sin, it's dishonoring to God. But he makes the point, he says, but why um, are we 20 times, 100 times more delivered about that personal slight against us than we are about all the other great injustices that happen in the world, like... 20 people killed by the car bombing in Afghanistan or about, you know, the, the exploitation of migrant workers in this country, you know, we're, we're somewhat, you know, maybe aware of that stuff. We're not enraged about it if it's about, you know, caring about things that are just, but when it's personal, when someone slights my reputation, I'm livid, I'm unconsolable, I'm off the rails, I'm blowing up. And it just sometimes that can reveal, you know, how, how what we really value and care about so um shell anything that you want to add on that yeah i think um i think with your question nikki i think sometimes i just think of jesus when he he told his disciples that someone was going to betray him and they all started going is it i lord and so that they had that disposition of like um almost not trusting themselves like i think that's a good disposition to have to be like you know what i've only got one lens so I should be open to like, hey, maybe like Simon said, like check your heart, maybe there is something there. And then I think if there isn't, I think if it is like you have been wrongly accused or slandered, I think it's remembering we believe in reconciliation, that is our faith. Like, and if Jesus is seeking to reconcile all things, sometimes we need to reconcile relationships that are difficult to reconcile. And it might mean forgiving someone who hasn't asked for forgiveness um who hasn't even tried to do that but because we have jesus and because we know his love for us we are able to do that um despite that yeah. gold great question nikki anyone else have a question i think they've all got questions they just need to speak up josh jt so like Earlier, I think Brendan talked about low self-esteem and how that can be prideful. Uh, but then is like high self-esteem prideful? And then like, where's the balance if they're both prideful? I don't know if that makes sense. but That makes really good sense, Josh, and it's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, what we've been talking about is in view of the cross, um, we're both worse than we think and more loved than we can imagine. I think in a nutshell, it's been famously said, you know, it's a phrase I'm borrowing from someone else, I'm not really sure who said it, but 
Um, but I think that's what the cross says to us. You know, it, it says, you know, if we think we're bad, we don't know the half of it because actually our sins were the nails that put Christ in the cross. The infinite son of God, the maker of everything, had to come and die or chose to come and die to, in order to save us, to rescue us. That's how desperate our plight was. And yet at the same time, he did it. You know, he did it for us. And what does that speak to the way in which God loves us and cares about us? Um, you know, in, in the scripture, ultimately, our value and worth comes not from the things we do, but from the fact that God is the one that made us in his image. Um, and yet we, I think, often base our value on, on many, many other things. So, yeah, I think when people talk about low self-esteem, there's probably a lot more questions that you need to ask. I don't think you can necessarily make sort of blanket statements about what does someone mean when they say they've got low self-esteem. I think we've been talking about pride as kind of a self-preoccupation and um, sometimes low self-esteem can mean that someone's actually quite preoccupied with themselves and their world revolves around themselves and in particular about their disappointments with maybe the things they've achieved in their life or their gifting and ability in different areas. And in a way, they're kind of looking then um, for worth and meaning and significance in the wrong places. Um, but also there's a genuine disappointment there that also says they're disappointed in the way things, because it would be possible to say, do you know what? I'm rubbish at all these different things, but I'm cool with it. Doesn't surprise me. I think, you know, um, but that's not what people are saying. They're saying, I'm rubbish at all these different things and it devastates me because implicitly I, I think I should be something more. And they're kind of tapping on something, aren't they? Because the truth of scripture is that we are something more, but we're not something more because of those things. What we do, you know, doesn't, doesn't generate our worth. It's the fact that God made us and loves us. Um, I think in the same way, you know, having high self-esteem, you know, being super confident, um, definitely, you know, in your own gifts and abilities and, you know, having high self-worth in your eyes can definitely be a thing with pride. I think the problem in both is just a, a thinking too much about yourself. It's that your, your, your self is at the center and not God, you know, and you compare that to Philippians 2, right? In the example of the Lord Jesus, right? Oh, that's what you were going to share? Well, I was just going to read it. Oh, you're going to read it. Yeah, why don't you read it? Yeah. So this is um, Philippians 2, um, verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So it's not saying like they're just more significant than you, not like better than you. They're just more significant. Anyway, we'll continue on. Um, uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in, the, uh, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I could keep reading, but I think um, just, I think it's this you mentioned it earlier, but C.S. Lewis's um, sort of definition of humility is not thinking of yourself, um, thinking not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So, and that's what you're sort of touching on with that low self-esteem. We get so consumed with ourself um, and, you know, all my wants and meet my needs and why, why, did I, why did life not turn out like this? And what, that, like, our definition of humility is not that, uh, is, is thinking of, I can't even say it, 
Um, Not thinking less of yourself, thinking of yourself less. Yes, that's it. And I guess that's what you see in the life of Jesus. Even in that passage, you know, Jesus is preoccupied with doing his father's will. Yeah. That's all, he, that's his, he's, he's got a single mindset, which is to do the will of the one who sent him, thus that he would empty himself of all his privileges and not use them to his own advantage, but to pour himself out for the sake of other people. Because to love God is to therefore love the things that God loves, which is his creation, mm. you know, his creatures. Um, and that's what Jesus models for us. You know, periodically I hear people talk about like, I'm really gifted in something, therefore, you know, I should be using my gifts. And if I'm not using my gifts, you know, I'm, I'm somehow wasting my time or something like that. But when you look at the example of Jesus, you know, one of the passages of, um, I've been reading just in preparation for this is he talks about true greatness, which is to be the slave of all. Slave of all means to be the least of slaves. And not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom, you know? I mean, it's so easy to talk about this, but like, how amazing is the example of Jesus that he's so consumed with doing his father's will that he sees everything about himself as being able to be poured out for the sake of God and others, you know? Um, yeah. So JT, I, I think it's, it's not about necessarily finding a place in the spectrum as about having a different gaze so that, you know, your esteem isn't in yourself, you know, your esteem is in God, you know? Can I just um, plug a little book on that topic, Josh? It's by Tim Keller and it's a really short read, but it's um, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's a path to true Christian joy. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah, that thin, it's, those that are not readers. It's, it's an oversized pamphlet. That basically, yeah, but it's great. It's, it's got a lot of gold in there and it's basically, um, yeah, exactly what Brendan was saying. Rather than seeing it as a spectrum, it's just changing um, the way you view it. So. Yeah, really good. Hey, Sha, I hope you don't mind me saying, um, one of Shah's um, bosses at work gave it to her as a gift. <laughs> and yeah, she's Christian, and right? I was, I was wondering why'd she give it to me as a gift? Is she thinking that I think about myself too much? And it's like, oh wait. Was that a false accusation? Wait, accusation. now I'm doing it, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to just read it. <laughs> I'd be yeah. okay with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like in this topic, you can't ever put your hand up and say, I'm doing great with humility, right? <laughs> That's why I'm like, there's only one ever book written on humility. Really, right. There's not many, there's not many yeah, of these that's books. It. Yeah, absolutely. Great question, JT. I guess this question's sort of been answered in some ways, but I guess just the practical side of, um, they say someone has identified sin in your life and, you know, your natural response is anger and hurt. Um, but I guess what, how to practically move on from that and to move towards humility, uh, even though that's not what you want to do in that moment? So, Maddie, just, uh, I think it's a great question, but just to make sure I'm um, uh, tracking with you. So you're saying someone's identified some sin in, in your life and it's right, like they've got it right or, you know, or they've- Right or partially right. I was kind of had a similar question to Nikki, um, more on the weighing up of whether is something that somebody's identified is right or not but say that you have identified at least some areas that are correct um and that natural response of like anger or hurt 
um, how to, I guess, not stick in that, but to move towards humility and, um, yeah, I guess accept that and, um, yeah, walk in humility, I guess, in that, just practically. Sadi, do you want to jump in? I'm going to look at a, a um, Yeah, Shell. <laughs> this is the advantage of having Shell on our pack. What I was going to share, I was going to share a psalm that um, um, that um, that I have on my prayer list that I often pray um, because I think ultimately, um, you know, so how do, how do you move on from when someone identifies a sin and um, you know, what, what do you do to, to move on from that and, and um, to, to grow and grow in your humility and things? It's such a good question. Because I think we've all, you know, we all identify with that question, Maddie. Um, I, I, I think the first place in my mind to start is to actually thank God for bringing it to your attention. Mm. Because the truth of scripture is that it's not just an accident. It's not just, an, you know, perhaps a blunt instrument in the friend who maybe kindly or not kindly brought the sin to your attention or family member. Um, Cause that can be the hardest, isn't it? When a family member is pointing out to, to you um, something simple in your life, you know, there's so much baggage with family and like so much, not enough fear of man sometimes. <laughs> it makes it so much harder to, to hear it. But I think you, I think the first place to start, I, I think, um, and I don't always do this this well, but it's to thank God that he's brought it to your attention because he's done it because he's committed to making you like Christ, you know, and changing you and growing you. Um, and ultimately, you know, we want to invite him to keep doing it. And so uh, just the, the verse that came to mind is from Psalm 139. And um, just the Psalm ends with this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, you know? And um, that's a prayer that, you know, I want to have often as, as my prayer is in not just even um, accepting that, that, that criticism, that critique, that, that area of sin in your life and saying, right, I'm done now. That's been dealt with, you know, but to invite the Lord and his gaze into your life and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing that to my attention I shouldn't be surprised like I am about the presence of this sin in my life. Thank you that you still love me at the cross. Um, Lord, continue your work. Keep searching my heart. See if there's more, you know, and change me completely. Lead me in the way that's going to glorify you. And, and, um, and I think that's the confidence that we have, actually, you know, Maddie, is, is ultimately it's God that's going to do that work in your life. God is the one who's going to finish the work. It doesn't rest with us. It doesn't rest with us having the right strategy or anything like that. It's the, it's the confidence of knowing the grace of the Lord Jesus that's going to be working in and through us. But that was just a psalm that, that uh, I think has been helping me. Um, so how about you? Anything you want to? I'm just uh, was reminded from some of the section in the book because CJ actually talks about his own experience of someone offering some correction in his life and then how, how, he, how did he respond? What did he do about it? Um, if you're looking at the book, if you've got it there, page sort of about page 129 onwards. Um, but he, he references a couple of scriptures I think are really helpful. So from Proverbs 12:15, the way of a fool 
is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So I guess the first thing is you need to listen to, uh, listen to it. So because because the question is like, what practically do we, we listen to it and and we and we we prayerfully give that to the Lord and, and consider it. Um, and then he references John thirteen seventeen. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So in other words, um, as we as we weigh these things up, as we consider the I guess the correction and the, and the advice. Um, we're going to be not, not blessed in the knowing it, but blessed in the actually putting it into action, so applying it to our life. So um, that's, that's going to probably require a level of obedience. Um, and, uh, yeah, so anyway, page 130, 131. That's such a good point there about listening to it, though, like because my personal thing is, like, I think because we're insecure and I'm insecure often, like the first reaction to a criticism is you don't actually even want to listen to it because you're, you're immediately afraid of it in the sense of what if it's right? You know, what, what, would, what does that mean about me if this is true? And so it's almost like you can't listen to it, if that makes sense. So you've got to kind of block it and defend. Whereas the cross means well, I can listen to this because if it's true, it's like, I'm okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and then trusting God with the next steps about what you're going to do about it, to put it to death, to seek repentance if you need to, um, to keep growing in your relationship with God. Great question. Can I just add to that, Maddie? Um, I think it's really hard to um, lift yourself out of feeling hurt sometimes and the pain that can come with that. Um, so I think you just, I think, you know, Galatians says like bear, um, bear one another's burdens. Like I think you need to find people that are removed from the situation who, you know, want to speak truth into your life, who want to see you grow and, and be quite honest. Like I've had to do that. I've had to sort of say, this is what's happened. I'm really angry and annoyed about it. Like, and these are all my emotions, um, is that rational? Is that not rational? And and some and trusted people can say, oh look, I don't know. Like, do you think there's truth in that? Like, it it it, it can rationalise the situation because I think I know for me, yeah, there's a lot of emotion caught up in it. Um, so I think yeah, knowing some good friends um, that you can bring alongside you to bear burdens with you, and telling them, look, um, you know, I don't need you to pat me on the back. I just need you to speak truth. Um, yeah, I think that's probably important as well. Awesome, Shell. Great question. Thanks, Maddie. Ah. Jono, can you unmute yourself? You okay? Yeah, yeah. Got a question. Um, maybe quite opposite to um spectrum of criticism is um, how do you deal with false humility? in the sense that sometimes people um, may fool themselves in thinking they are being humble, but not really. Um, like an example might be, I don't know, you've just like gone up and prayed um, with a congregation and someone's just come up to you and be like, man, like you've prayed so well, like, thank you so much. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Like, glory to God or like, you know, it, it's, it's totally not me. It's, you know, it's God, but in your heart, at least, um, you know, that in a sense that you, you do still feel a sense of ownership over that encouragement or that 
um, I don't know, someone's recognized a gifting or, or something. And um, this is kind of like, that's just an example, but in the sense that how do you, how do you deal with false humility as well um, as a Christian? Such a good question, Chinu. I mean, um, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, you know, you can't just tell yourself to snap out of it, can you? You know, think less about myself, think less about myself, think less about myself. I mean, that's not how it works, right? Um, I totally relate to that sort of false humility, you know, like, I guess, you know, if you're in the church long enough, you know, the right things that you should be saying, the right things you shouldn't be saying. Um, and it's easy still to have that self-preoccupation. I mean, if you're preaching regularly, like the classic one is how many, how many encouragements did you get from, from your message on Sunday? You know, if you know, I only got two, you know, this week or I got 40 or whatever it is, you know? Um, and, and if you've only got like, you know, a couple then, or if you've got none or if the, you know, the one guy who will encourage you just for saying your name, right. Who's always going to encourage you. And you think, Oh, that, that one doesn't count. And, you know, so it must've been a really bad one. And then you beat up on yourself about it and that sort of thing. Where's my gaze in those moments? Like my gaze is all about me. And so how do I change my situation to not be gazing on me? Um, I can't just tell myself to snap out of it. That's, it's not going to help. I'm still just focused on me. I think the only way you can change is by the expulsive power of a greater love. I think the only way you can change and you can grow from that situation is by growing in your just heart for the Lord Jesus, such that you just, you just love him so much that every other love in this world just seems like cheap and like a, a small thing to you apart from him. And so when you're standing there up the front to pray, because you love Christ so much and because therefore you love the people that, that he loves, you know, as you look around that room, that church so much, your gaze is just filled with a desire to bless and intercede for the people that you love. And so you're not even thinking about yourself in the moment. It's worship because you're thinking about your Lord, your Lord and Savior. And, and um, so I, I, I think the, the way ultimately all humility is counted, um, including, you know, false humility, which is really just, I guess it's like, it's like, you know, pride that's kind of just been a little bit concealed by a few Christian practices, I guess. Is this the same way? Yeah. Um, I, th I think the heart has got to be is, is just by growing in love for Christ. I, I think that's... Yeah, I think it's rooted in, like, where's your identity? Do you, like, is your identity rooted in what people think of you and what they say to you, or is it rooted in Christ? Because, like, you know someone that's deeply, like, if their identity is deeply rooted in Christ... You've seen them, like someone will encourage them and they'll receive the encouragement. Yep. And then they might give it to the Lord. Um, but it's okay to receive the encouragement because they're so, like, I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't really, it doesn't add to me because, you know, I'm already approved. You know, I'm already approved. Um, so your approval of what I've done doesn't really, doesn't affect me. Oh, thank you, though. That's very kind of you. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm good at that, but I'm just saying that you, you notice it when you see people do it. Uh, and you can also notice it when it seems a little bit false as well. So I think that's sort of a, I guess, a, an, an indi every individual has that sort of wrestle to, to sort of deal with, like, how do you receive? Um, and then how do you give that to, to the Lord? So. But I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you, Shinu, because like, um, yeah, I remember when I was a younger preacher, um, when I was, had been doing it 
um, not as long as I guess I have now. I remember when I'd, fe I'd felt like on a Sunday that I hadn't done a very good job. I, 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 I knew my gaze was on myself because I found it hard to look people in the eye at the end of the service because I just felt embarrassed, I guess, almost. And it's like, where is my gaze there? Like, and why would I be embarrassed? Well, I've been embarrassed because I think it's about me. You know, it's about how, how many pats on the bat I'm going to get and things. But I think, you know, what God's been helping me with over the years is, that, you know, helping me to love him more, helping me to love people more. And um, so you become less bothered about yourself, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I just um, share, I, that question is great because that's something I really struggled with. I find it hard to receive compliments. And I think I'm a bit different in the sense that my sin manifests itself less in insecurity and more in like, yeah, it was a good job. Like it's a pro it's actually a really- like, It's about time you compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of my more my vessel. And I always have to reiterate to myself from 1 Corinthians 4, 1, where it says, um, this is how you should regard yourself, a servant of Christ, and a steward of the mysteries of God. So I always have to just remember I'm serving Christ and I'm just stewarding the abilities or gifts he's given me. And it's all his. It's that kind of gift mindset again. It's like, yes, because I think it would be wrong to go, you know, you're, so for Brendo, it would be wrong to go, no, you're not a good preacher. Because it's like, well, you are a gifted preacher. So how do you accept that gift but go, but you know what, I'm just stewarding the gift. Like it's it's God's. So yeah, I think that's how, like, yeah, I've just always, like, you know, I'm serving Christ and I'm stewarding whatever it is I'm, I'm given. I used to get into big arguments with people about it because particularly when I was kind of, like, you know, at uni and a bit, you know, um, back at Fig Tree and people would try to compliment me on things and I'd be like, oh, no, you don't really know. Like, that wasn't very good, blah, blah, blah. And I remember a minister just pulled me aside and said, Brennan, it's not about you. It's about God. Just say praise God and receive it. <laughs> and actually that like sounds like silly thing to say, right? But actually like really helped me because yeah, it's not about me, you know, it is about God. And um, I can't go past Shell's verse before, um, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, you know. Oh, here he is. Hello. Listening in, Tato. Very good. Oh, really. I'm going again now. Going okay. again. Bye. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> um, let me read it again. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good little mantra to have when you need a, you know, rebuke. <laughs> yeah. Let's read that again. I can find it here. Just while Bruno, there's also a great podcast uh, that, that did a topic on this, following yeah, Jesus. Following podcast. Jesus podcast. Um, I recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one with Riley. Yeah, the one with Riley. <laughs> right? No? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've listened to a few of those. It's uh it's cool. Listen to the one on talents and that'll it'll speak. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I can I can kind of follow through with what you guys are saying in the sense that um if someone were to recognize even a gift and you shy away from it and like oh, like seriously I, I, it's not something that you know i want to explore or like exercise uh, to the glory of god because you know you, you're just so caught up in what you're thinking about how you would perform or how you would serve others or how you would be able to do it because you're so absorbed in um your own almost self-performance before people yeah. and that fear of man again like you were saying brendan before yeah. Oh, but yeah so 
Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, someone could have helped me out before and, and just gone, if, when I was defending myself, and just gone, oh, sorry, you've misunderstood me. I wasn't complimenting you. I was just praising God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's his first here, right? It's like, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I mean, it's mm. so good. The yeah. truth is everything we have that's good is from God. So praise God. Mm. Great question, Shinu. Yeah, it's good. There's a few giggles. There's someone. Is there a bit of chat going on or something? Whoa, okay, you've changed your angle. <laughs> Ran out of battery. Oh, that old chestnut. Yep. Well, here's something um, uh, we might briefly touch on because um, I'm just mindful. I've got about 10 minutes to go um, and you maybe you're not 100% on your question, so you just run out a little bit. Um, but here's one I'll toss out to Simon. Um, talk to me about decision-making and how this concept of humility should affect the way we approach you know, making decisions. Oh wow! This is this is a whole another week. We could go. We could go. We all could. This sort of stuff. We could but, do a whole night. Um, this is something actually that I think I have, you know, come to see as of so such importance. Uh, it's probably not something that uh, I really caught the vision of when I was younger. Um, I think that you know seeking seeking the wisdom of others in decision making is not built into our culture like we we're sort of individualistic society we kind of do, like you do you you just choose what you want to do and you do it um but i think you know i just read that that uh, that proverb um you know listening to advice um there's so many other good proverbs i can't quote them brendo's going to quote them michelle quote them those, I've got, I've got those guys know their bibles better than i do um but it's it's really just a case of um well, plans fail without with lack of many advisors or whatever. Um, what's that, Shell? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, look, uh, I'm not doing a good job of answering it, but I'm just giving it two thumbs up and saying you should. We should all be seeking wisdom from others when making decisions. Um, and because actually, CJ touched on it. You know, it's the cream cheese analogy that he uses in there. It's like I don't know what's on my face. I don't, I can't see everything that's on my face. I have blind spots in my life. And so people can actually point that out and say, Hey, have you considered this? Um, it's actually so helpful as you make decisions. And I wish I had applied that earlier in my life because, um, yeah, made some stupid decisions. I still do, but, um, it would have been good to seek some wisdom and some wise counsel, um, early on. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for many, many years, it's something I never considered at all because I think, yeah, our culture's thinking is like your whole life's purpose is about finding the real you, being true to yourself. You know, it's it's you are what you feel um, and you need to follow that. You need to be faithful to that. So what part do other people have to play in that? Well, they don't have any part because it's about you pursuing what's on your heart and what you desire. And yet 
following the way of Christ, like if we're a community that's about that, is completely different. It's the opposite of that. Actually, it's literally the opposite of that because the way of Christ is if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, so, and to do that, then we need the help of others. We need the input of others. My favorite proverb is Proverbs 18.1. Um, and it says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Mm. And just the, and so true, you know, if you isolate yourself, if you um, don't humble yourself to, to invite others in to help you, ultimately, like the heart in that is that you want what you want, you know? And I think we know that, like so often we're making decisions, we don't want to ask people about it because it's what we want and we kind of feel like we probably know what people will say, but that's not what we want. Um, so, but I think it takes humility to do that, right? It takes humility to say, hey, I'm not sure I see this with 2020 vision. Um, what do you think? The, the only thing I would add to that is that you also then need to be careful of fear of man because then you can flip and flop. And this is something that I struggle with because then someone says something, oh, you should do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should do this. I should do that. And then someone else says something else. And they're like, oh, well, maybe I should do that. And so then you end up, uh, you, you're actually making your decision based on what people's, people's opinion of yourself. And that's, right. you know, that's not helpful either. That's so, an, it's another sin. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not a good way to live. Yeah, you want to you wanna be faithful to the audience of one. Yeah, that's for sure. Any other questions? JT. I don't know. It's a bit off topic, but in <laughs> how, off, how off topic is <laughs> it? It's in the book. Put it that way. Uh, in, the, uh, in one of the chapters, it was talking about like sport and how like they're not truly great. So like, how do you I guess, commend someone for what they've done, but without like, I don't know, without making it sound like you're truly great. I don't know if that makes sense, but. You're talking about like, you know, how do you com commend someone without giving them a big head or? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Cause I would say that that's the classic reason why Aussies don't encourage people. You know, mm. the Bible says outdo one another in showing honor, but we say, yeah, but need to keep him humble. You know, and so as though we're the humble police, you know, like God's given us the job of, well, we're taught poppy syndrome, right? We're, we're basically the whippersnippers in the kingdom of God. You know, we're going to cut down as many people as we can, keep them humble. Um, but God never tells us that. He doesn't say, you know, cut down the tall poppy and keep your, keep your neighbors humble, mm. <laughs> you know, by insulting them. It's not our job. It's not our job. Uh, it's our job to encourage and build one another up uh, and point out evidences of grace in their life, uh, to point them to God. It's their job to, to address, address that, you know, that encouragement, that, um, you know, that praise and direct it to God. So um, obviously you don't want to lie to them. Like, you know, say, <laughs> oh, mate, you're wonderful at soccer, you know, and when they're rubbish, you know, but... But a God-glorifying encouragement isn't necessarily even about performance, right? Because performance 
isn't necessarily what matters to God, you know? You could encourage someone by even just their demeanor and attitude while being rubbish at the game, which gives me great hope because when I was playing sports, um, particularly in cricket, I was like a professional 12th man, so which is the person who carries the drinks. I distinctly remember. The water boy. Um, yeah, the conversation with my captain would be like, oh, Brennan, you can be 12th man this week. I'll be like, but I was 12th man last week. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I could have carried the drinks and received an encouragement about the way I do it because you could really, you can carry drinks and glorify God, you know, in loads of ways. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. So, you know, I think a good encouragement is ultimately glorifying to God and it's, it's pointing to him at work in someone's life, you know. So um, I think that's how we can encourage someone and not, you know. Yeah, and I suppose if you're encouraging someone from within our church family, you want to encourage them because it's for the body of Christ. You know, you're like, keep doing that because we all benefit from it. You know, like, you know, I think it's, I think it's um in one Corinthians three, it's like, you know, Paul, Cephas, it's these names. He's like, they're all yours. It's all Christ. It's all one body. We all get to enjoy each other's gifts. So, yeah, encourage them for God's glory, but to keep you know, using their gifts for the body as well. Mm. Is that you, Nikki? She's restraining herself. <laughs> restraining herself, okay. Any other questions? I find silences awkward at the best of times. Zoom makes it even more awkward. So I'm going to try and extend it as long as I can. Well, you muted us. True. This is true. You want us to unmute? Yeah, you can unmute. I don't have anything though. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, right. I can I can just kill the uh, awkward silence. I recorded some of our singing, Paul, Brendo, and I singing, <laughs> and I'm just gonna I'm gonna play that now for us to enjoy while we wait. Sit in silence. I'm just gonna mute you. So... Don't mute me. <laughs> it's actually quite angelic. It actually, sounds quite pretty good. Somebody please say something. It's the heart that matters. Brennan's still mu muted. All right. Sorry. Um, was that a question from you, Shinu? No? Okay, cool. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming out. We can keep this conversation going. Um, but, uh, you know, so feel free to just, you know, message in. You can chat to us. We'll do our best to answer any questions you have. Let's keep, keep encouraging one another to, to follow the example of Jesus as best we can, to, to look at not just 
what the world considers true greatness, you know, success, wealth, false humidity, uh, humidity. <laughs> just building my humility, guys. Just building my humility. This is, this is a live, um, this is a live character growth right now. False humidity. Yeah. <laughs> The False. precipitation is palpable. It is. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Um, false humility. You know, we're looking how we can follow the example of Jesus. Um, you know, in the world, people love to celebrate when people do great things, but that's not what true greatness is in the eyes of our Lord Jesus. It's almost invisible, but to the gaze of the sovereign Lord who, who cares the most. And so would we all have that, that same heart attitude to follow the example of Jesus, emptying ourselves out for the sake of others. Um, why don't I just pray um, to close? And um, if you've got any other follow-up questions, um, feel free to, to send them on in. Um, in two weeks' time, we're going to be gathering again, doing one on uh, walking with God through pain and suffering. And we're going to have Glenn and Donnie here. Um, who, for those that know them, will know that they've been walking through cancer and chronic illness for many, many years now. So um, that should be a really wonderful one. Feel free to invite anyone who might be interested along. Um, the more the merrier on, on, on these nights. It's open to anyone at all. Um, but that should be a great, great night in two weeks' time. Uh, so why don't I pray for us, and then uh, you guys can be dismissed. Or you can stay and chat, or either way. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for tonight. Thanks that we get to gather even though we're apart um, because of technology and spend time just looking at Jesus and his beautiful example that he sets us of not counting himself as of the most significance, but considering others first and particularly his father and pouring himself out for our sake, Lord. You are just gracious and good and merciful and lord we, we want to be like you we want to be like you like your son who is just with just one focused gaze on you lord and 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 not so bothered about what other people think or about being great in the ways that the world counts lord we want to be like christ and so i pray just, just lord would you help us? Would you, would you continue to work through the power of your Holy Spirit to truly humble us, to be like Christ, mm -hmm. to care about the things of Christ, like to have something of his heart and love for you and for others, Lord? Would you change us? Lord, would we be communities that are just always encouraging one another and pointing out where you're at work um, and doing it all for your sake and your glory, Lord? So, Lord, be with us um, as we go into our weeks uh, at work, whether that be working from home or going into work or studying or whatever we're doing this week, Lord, and would ever increasingly our lives bring glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.